Introducing the new way to play daily fantasy sports with Jack Market. Jack Market is where daily fantasy sports becomes a stock exchange. Buy and sell shares of players with other users in real time. Make money every hour, every minute, every second of every game. Daily contests are live for NBA and PGA and NFL contests are launching in week one. Take control of your fantasy sports experience and download Jack Market now in the App Store. Android coming soon. of the Athletic Fantasy Football Podcast. I am Michael Beller. I am joined by Jake Seeley and Brandon Funston. Guys, we are ever closer to the start of the NFL season. I think all three of us probably woke up this morning feeling a little bit better than Leonard Fournette, huh, guys? <laughs> oh, you stole my line, Michael. That was it. You're, you're, yes, you were supposed yes. to ask me how I'm doing, and I was going to say I'm doing a lot better than <laughs> Leonard Fournette this morning. <laughs> I'm doing worse. How about that? Does that make it better? <laughs> uh, man, maybe not. I mean, maybe he's going to end up somewhere uh, better than Jacksonville, right? I mean, this was a, a huge piece of NFL fantasy football news that I don't think any of us expected to wake up to this morning. Leonard Fournette released by the Jacksonville Jaguars. That obviously is where we have to start this episode of the Athletic Fantasy Football Podcast. We got plenty more planned for you, but that is where we're going to kick things off. Guys, let's first take this from the Jaguars point of view. Where do things go for them? We know Reichwell Armstead, Chris Thompson on the roster. Where do we expect this backfield to shake out? How do we expect it to shake out? And for people who still have drafts ahead, I've got four with one tonight. How should people be approaching this backfield now that Fournette is gone? Jake, why don't you go first here? <laughs> I'm going to victory lap this one. I am. I'm going to say <laughs> this just this destroyed my Chris Thompson value that I was getting everywhere. Uh, you know, look, Chris Thompson, I've been saying this entire time, was going to hurt Leonard Fournette, especially in the passing game. A lot of people pushed back, and I am going to victory lap because people argued with me all the time this offseason saying, oh, he's not going to cut into Leonard Fournette that much in the passing game. He's not going to steal that much value from him. He's not going to – no, Chris Thompson was brought in to be the pass catcher. Chris Thompson has been an RB3 under Jay Gruden. Chris Thompson has provided – very good value as a James White player in the past. We just need him to stay healthy. We can say that a lot about running backs. But the pushback was I was crazy pushing Leonard Fournette down to low and RB2, and that was the fact that Chris Thompson wasn't going to have value. So now Chris Thompson is right where he should be. He's inside the top 40, right in that RB4, but probably get some RB3 consistency out of him. The most trustworthy one, and the reason I brought up James White is because I think this is a lot like the Patriots. Raquel Armstead, you would have thought, be the lead option, but he's been missing practices, been missing camp so far. So is he the still leg up? Zigbo has more power. They've been raving about James Robinson. So I think it's just going to be a backfield where it's just stay away from everybody else. Go draft Chris Thompson. Maybe it shakes itself out, and then, you know, the uncertainty of it's going to have Armstead, Zigbo, and Robinson late. Uh, but, you know, mm -hmm. Armstead, if he start, if Armstead starts to creep up too far, if he starts getting into the, like, the Daryl Henderson and Chase Edmonds range, I'll probably just steer away and then go take a flyer on a Zigbo. But I'm probably just staying away, getting more Chris Thompson. Well, if I can, again, I am, I'm mad, but I'm doing a mad victory lap. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I'm getting uh, Miami vibes last year. I, I mostly agree with, with Jake. I think Chris Thompson is the guy. But Chris Thompson, you know, he's had a real hard time staying healthy. So there's that hanging out there. Um, but he should be the most consistent in this backfield. But I don't 
I don't know if I want any of these guys. Like I said, the Miami vibe, it's, uh, you know, a bunch of a bunch of running backs I'm not excited about on a very bad team that is not going to be ahead very often. It's going to have to throw a lot. And you got Gardner Minshew and DJ Chark probably in the Ryan Fitzpatrick, Devontae Parker role. But uh, this is just easily, in my mind, the the worst team in the NFL right now. They just got rid of Yannick Ngakwe. So uh, that defense is going to be terrible. This offense is going to be terrible. And we'll see, uh, you know, this is just probably uh, more – this is more good news for anybody who has got like Gardner Minshew in a two QB league as a, uh, as their second quarterback, because I, I don't see how he's just not throwing in a ton of times in this two this season. Two. I have a second quarterback in one quarterback leagues a lot. I've been pairing him with like the breeze Brady's and just, well, that's the fine. I, I mean, but it's more excited yeah. to say in a two QB league, where you actually going to use him <laughs> more excited, start him every week. Yeah. No, I'm, hey, week. Look, I'm, I'm legitimately excited to have him and potentially he's Daniel Jones. Like, you know, of last year or even better. Maybe he gets close to Jameis Winston. I'm with you. Like I, I and that's why I would say single quarterback. Yeah. Two quarterback. Cause you're actually going to use him. But I, I think that he could be, I think he'd be usable before. Look, we were using Blake Bortles. I mean, that's all you really need to know about it. Right. If that's you true. wanted to go on the ultimate cheap, you could draft draft Daniel Jones and you go with Gardner Minshew and maybe, you know, there's matchups. Oh, you could go even you... cheaper than that. Yeah. You could... I can tell you what you could do. This this is what I've done in a couple leagues, Brandon. Ben Roethlisberger and Gardner Minshew. Oh, yeah. Go. Well, have you seen uh, Mark Caboli's <laughs> comments cheap. on Roethlisberger? My goodness. He's, I mean... I interviewed him. Of course I did. If everybody wants to go check that out on YouTube. Yeah, that yeah a- check that out. It's out there on YouTube, the Athletic Fantasy Cheat Sheet, a show we're going to be bringing to you with our smiling faces, at least most of the time. We know Jake woke up not feeling great today, having even a worse day than Leonard Fournette, but our smiling faces every Sunday morning coming to you guys, uh, bringing you all the stuff you're going to need to get your lineups ready. And we're doing a few preseason things as well. You can check out some of our first videos on YouTube right now and the Athletics YouTube channel. Imagine how differently things could have been for this team. What are the great what-ifs, right, if the Jaguars hold on to that fourth-quarter lead against the Patriots in the AFC Championship game a few years ago? How different things could be for this team? And now we're talking about them. Trevor Lawrence already looking probably for uh, for beautiful, big, beautiful homes somewhere in the Jacksonville area because this team easily uh, is looking like the inside track squad to get that first way, overall pick in the draft next year. Yeah, what's up? I will say one thing. When Brandon said Miami vibes, I thought he was going to say that's where Fournette's going. Yeah. Um, can, can we like can we just stop until he's somewhere? I think we've seen about 20 of the 32 teams listed on Twitter <laughs> this morning as landing spots for Leonard Fournette. It's, it's unbelievably annoying right now. All right. So All right, well, I know yeah, that's well, not what Brandon was why doing. Don't you, why don't you, you know, Everybody's speculating. Why don't you give like two teams that you think are would be your your top bets if the if, for him to land? Yeah, be quick about it though, because we got a lot to talk about. Oh uh, well, yeah, and well, we need cap room. So who's got cap room? The Patriots, but forget that. I, I, maybe the Dolphins. I don't know if they have cap room. I don't know what their cap situation of all thirty-two teams are. I'm sorry, I don't work for Spot Track. <laughs> <laughs> um, Washington. Washington's interesting. No. Chicago or the I, Jets? I, the Jets, uh, you know. Add another high I don't volume think a lot of them have cap space at this point. That's the problem. Yeah, but how much? This cap- almost feels like vengeful, like like something <laughs> right. like. No, seriously, <laughs> seriously, because the Jaguars tried to trade them, and then you know the reports are supposedly where they couldn't even get a fifth, sixth. That's their quote that's out there right now. But 
to do it this late in the game when Cap is tied up as much as it is, just just it's not vengeful, spiteful. This feels spiteful a little bit. Yeah, and to yeah. air to air that you couldn't get any value for the guy also is kind of a little bit of a of a low blow. I thought, you know, like we're gonna cut you, and not only that, we're gonna go out and publicly say no one wanted you. You know, it's yeah, it's rough. Yeah, they can say all they want about this being just an on-the-field thing and that there's nothing else going on here, but uh, that doesn't quite live up to the smell test. Maybe it's true. Maybe it's true. We're just evaluating this from the outside looking in. Uh, it will be interesting to see where uh, where Leonard Fournette goes because I, I feel like there's a, there's a path to him ending up in a better fantasy spot than where he was in Jacksonville, even though he's going to have a, uh, a pretty good stranglehold of that backfield. But uh, I think that would a- need an injury. Like right now, I said in the rankings, I have him. He's right around like the Alexander Madison, like the high end handcuffs. That's where I would take a chance on him. Um, that slots him in at 53. You're but, assuming that's the, that an unsigned Leonard Fournette. That's where you would have him. Yeah, that's where he is right now. That's yeah. the take the chance. Like I would take I would definitively take a chance before I took a chance on Devontae Freeman. Um, I don't know, but to your point, I don't know if he ends up in a better spot unless, like, a better, the only better spot I can think of is if David Montgomery was out for the entire season. Right, and right. He went to, like, she got, like, he needs, like, a better spot. He needs to be the option again, like he was with Jacksonville. Yeah. yeah. You don't think it could happen for him in, like, Washington or no. Tampa? There's too much there. They love, they love, just go read over, hey, pimp somebody else on an article. <laughs> go read the article over, I almost called it the old team, the Washington footballs over there. Go uh, read the piece talking about how great Antonio Gibson looks, that Bryce Love might not make the opening day roster mm-hmm. because they just like everything that they have so far. I think it would just be part of the mix in there. Like yeah, maybe bump piece. Adrian Peterson, but it would just be a mess of a backfield. Yeah. That is a very good piece from our uh, Washington football team beat writer, Ben Standick. Definitely go ahead and check that out. Guys, it's enough Leonard Fournette for one day. It's more Leonard Fournette than I pretty much ever <laughs> want to talk. So uh, we've got a couple other things to get to here. Uh, but first, not the only thing getting cut is Leonard Fournette. Also, plenty of hair getting cut. And fantasy football draft season is upon us. And uh, our partners at Manscaped have partnered with us to make sure that you don't gamble on shaving the same way that you like to gamble. On football, when it comes to men's hygiene, Manscaped is as good and safe as Christian McCaffrey in a PPR league. This is no Leonard Fournette here. This is the Christian McCaffrey of men's grooming products. Lawnmower 3.0 is the best hygiene tool for the modern man. Because of the ceramic blade and skin-safe technology, your nicks and snags will be reduced. This is the perfect protection needed for a franchise quarterback. Right now, you can get 20% off and free shipping with the code THEATHLETIC20 at manscaped.com. That's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com and use code THEATHLETIC20. Guys, let's get into the meat of our episode here. We are still going division by division as we did last week with our two episodes that the three of us did together. Got two more episodes, including this one, four more divisions to tackle. Today, we are going to go through the AFC West and the NFC East. Going to start things off with the AFC West. A lot of power in this division, a top-heavy fantasy division. Got eight people selected in the top 50 picks of a typical fantasy draft, 12 in the top 100, so just four from 51 through 100. Of course, this all starts with the Kansas City Chiefs, minus 455 to win what could be a pretty good division, right? I don't think any of us would be surprised if this division sent multiple teams to the playoffs, but of course, the defending Super Bowl champs, the multiple-time defending division champs, they are back as the clear obvious favorite uh, to win this division. You know, there's not really a lot to say about this team from a pure analysis <laughs> standpoint, right? We know Patrick Mahomes, 
He's awesome. He's the best quarterback in the league. You're going to want Patrick Mahomes. Uh, Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, we think he's looking like a legitimate mid-first-round pick. Tyreek Hill, we know what he's what his deal is. Travis Kelsey, we know what his deal is. I do want to start, though, with Clyde Edwards-Hilaire. A lot of people are going to be drafting over these next two weeks. Maybe not everyone listening has been quite as invested in the fantasy football scene as the three of us have. So let's just level set with Clyde Edwards-Hilaire. You are in a draft. It is tonight. You are taking Clyde Edwards-Hilaire where, Jake? Uh, the end of the first round, which means I'm not getting him. I, like that's it's funny. Like Brandon knows this, you know this. I went from the guy who's drunk and too high on Clyde Edwards to Lair to now I, I feel like the cautious guy. Uh, it really just comes down to the people that want to take him in front of Kamara and in front of Dalvin Cook and in front of Michael Thomas, like and even Derrick Henry. Stop. I mean, like we do this everything. It's so funny that just people want to back whatever supports their feelings because you get the initial pushback was. How could you ever rank him that high? Damian Williams is still a thing. He hasn't played it down in the NFL, which people do every single year. But then when they're fans of him, now all that stuff goes out the window. And so what it really comes down to is Clyde Edwards-Hilaire for me was always RB7 or 8. He was always in that conversation with Miles Sanders and you know uh, Austin Eckler and all the rest of them. And I think that's where he should go. Even if you downgrade Derrick Henry for what he did last year, which I did in my projections, He's still in front of him, and I know he doesn't catch balls, and I know that Clyde Edwards-Hilaire is on the Chiefs, but this is the Chiefs. There is some risk involved. We have proven commodities in front of him, and that's the truth. Yes, he has top three, four upside. I don't think he gets quite to Barkley or uh, Christian McCaffrey, but he has that upside. But if you're starting to take him there, then where's your potential return on investment? Now you're buying all risk and then some. So. It's crazy that it went that way, but I think that's the proof of fantasy of how quickly things can change. Yeah, I'm I'm kind of with Jake. I mean, I have him ranked ninth right now overall. I'm, I, but that's ahead of uh, you know like Joe Mixon, Devontae Adams, and some guys that I with Mixon. I feel very comfortable. He's gonna have a lot more touches with Devontae Adams. I feel like if he doesn't have a turf dough, we're talking ninety to hundred catches and ten plus touchdowns. So in an actual draft, I. I would, you know, even though I say he's ninth, I may, you know, I may decide to go somewhere else because to Jake's point in the first round, you want to eliminate risk. You want to have a slam dunk as much as there's, there is such a thing in fantasy football in that first round. And with Edwards Hilaire, we've never seen him play in the NFL. Um, I'm assuming that he's going to be great in that offense. He certainly looks like he should fit well, but you know, I think that. Daryl Williams and the other guys there are going to have roles and Clyde Edwards Alaire is going to be something less of a of a featured guy than all the other guys that are going at the running back position in the first round. So it's going to take Austin Eckler like efficiency to deliver uh, to where he's going there. And, uh, you know, I mostly believe that can happen, but he is a rookie with a with a short preseason. There's already been rumors that he's struggling in pass protection, and that's a major no, no for for running backs uh, in the NFL. So. Um, yeah, there's a little bit of cause for concern enough that, you know, I think he has to go in the late first round for you to validate, validate, uh, you know, making that pick. Yeah, I'll just quickly make that unanimous. No way I'm taking him in that uh, Alvin Kamara, Delvin Cook, Derrick Henry range of players. And I like those receivers. Obviously, Michael Thomas, I would take Devontae Adams over him. So pretty much means that the three of us are going to combine for zero shares unless we already had them pre uh, Damian Williams opting out. Yeah, 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 exactly. Right. But those are the only shares. It sounds like the three of us are going to combine for in this, uh, in this 2020 season. As I said, that's not true. Beller. Actually, I did a DraftKings basketball over the weekend and I got him with the eighth pick. 
but I also unfortunately got Fournette as my third running back in that oh, draft. So, yeah, man. That, that, I'm just lighting that money on fire. So. <laughs> <laughs> uh, hey, so we started this off by saying that this is a team that we basically know everything about, right? Uh, ADP-wise, you got Edwards Hilaire going seventh. You've got Tyreek Hill 16th, Patrick Mahomes 20th, Travis Kelsey 23. So four of the first 23 picks in a typical draft come from this one team. And then it's a long time before you see the Chiefs back in the mix again. Is there anyone on this team, Brandon, that you would be targeting beyond the big four? I uh, haven't been. I, uh, Hardman's interesting, but um, you know that just seems like a a yo-yo kind of production. You know, we saw that a little bit last year. He had these you know random big games, but I think he will ascend to a, a slightly bigger role. I, I just feel like more people are are willing to place a bigger bet on Nicole Hardman than I am. So uh, I guess the answer to your question is probably no. I would be interested in in Daryl Williams as a as a late pick um just because you know it came out uh recently reported that he's most likely the number two behind Clyde edwards Lair. and i think there's going to be a little bit of a of a weekly role there for that guy and if Clyde edwards Lair uh gets hurt or is just really struggling pass protection that role could expand even more but you always like anybody who's getting touches in that backfield for an andy reed offense yeah, so the problem with Hardman is he has tremendous upside and a lot like Tyreek Hill can do a lot with a few catches as we saw, but we've also seen the reports from many people that have posted it saying he only had 13 targets in the games where Sammy Watkins and Tyreek Hill were both out there. Uh, and I also think people are still forgetting that Demarcus Robinson is there. And, you know, Demarcus Robinson kind of made news with some highlights that always happen during practices and camps. And everybody's <laughs> yep. like, oh, yeah, look at that catch. And blah, blah. Demarcus Robinson is still involved. I'm not saying Do- Demarcus Robinson's better than Miko Hardman as a fantasy or even real life perspective talent for this team. But he's involved. <laughs> like, you need Sammy Watkins and Robinson to probably both go away to get consistent s- snaps out of Hardman. And that's what you want. You want the consistent snaps. So, you know, if maybe if Sammy Watkins goes down, I'll get invested. But where Hardman's going, people are drafting him like Watkins is already done for. So that's the problem is he's on zero of my teams. Uh, I got I know what the reports are. I still 100% disagree. I still think Washington is the one behind the, if anything were to happen because we mm-hmm. saw it just happen with Josh Jacobs. We saw them sign him in the offseason despite having Thompson and Daryl Williams. And I just I think that if something were to happen, it's Washington, and he's been the one that I've been taking in like the 14th round. Yeah, it's a nice guy to speculate on, and not a bad idea to speculate on some Chiefs running back back there. It's uh, the cost is basically nothing. You and, could go. Uh, there's easy upside to see. Even we disagree on this, like between Brandon and I, you could go the Chris Harris route. Chris Harris is like deeper drafts. Obviously, Chris Harris is just grabbing all three in case you know like, because it's like, hey, yeah. at least I have the one. If anything were to happen, I don't. I don't necessarily disagree with you, Jake. I I was on DeAndre Washington okay. before these reports came out. I'm just kind of like I I will admit I don't know. Um, I can see it going right any direction so i, I well then stick with me with washington because okay. what, we, what did we just see with this stupid football team it was bryce love is amazing it could be the lead and then <laughs> right. two weeks later it's like bryce love might not make the roster <laughs> like what the hell happened <laughs> um all right guys let's move on to the chargers here plus 800 to win this afc west we've got tyrod taylor running the show now in place of philip rivers who of course is in indianapolis uh, how much are we expecting tyrod taylor's presence to change this offense. We became very comfortable with what this offense was under Phillip Rivers. I personally believe that Rivers had a lot to do with Eckler breaking out last season. How do we feel Tyrod changes what this offense does this season, Jake? 
I don't think it changes so much for the fact that two things. One is I believe Anthony Lynn and what he believes and what he goes all the way back to the combine when he was asking about drafted quarterbacks and said it's the best Tara Taylor he's seen since 2000. I think he said 17 or 16. I can't remember which year he said, but it's the best version. I know coaches always talk up their players, but they have confidence in the fact that, you know, they drafted Herbert and even said that like Herbert is the solution for the future. If he starts at some point, that's because he proved that he should be starting. I don't think it's a detriment to Tyrod Taylor, who, for fantasy purposes, we saw it be just fine with Buffalo making Sammy Watkins valuable. Uh, the Charles Clay was a tight end one fringy for a little while there, and he wasn't even putting up huge numbers like Hunter Henry. I don't think it's the downgrade that everybody makes it out to be. Uh, Tyrod is going to run a little bit. You know, that's why we liked his floor in fantasy. But for the passing game and everybody involved, he's still going to throw to Austin Eckler. He's still going to throw to Hunter Henry and Keenan Allen. The real key here is that Keenan Allen was underrated to begin with. And now that Mike Williams is kind of banged up to start the season, like Keenan Allen's value just goes right back up to arguably being one of the most disrespected high-end wide receivers in fantasy right now. Um, I will believe it when I see it on Keenan Allen and and this uh, you know and this marriage with Tyrod Taylor. He's the guy I I can I'm concerned with the most, and it may he may just be able to overcome because Mike Williams is hurt, and there just might be just a whole lot of, you know, a whole lot of targets to to kind of help, uh, kind of salvage his value. But I just you know I, I from watching Tyrod Taylor, he's a guy that has never really been a three step drop rhythm passer. You look at his time per throw; he's one of the slower guys in the league, and I just think that hurts with a with a timing guy like Keenan Allen, where Philip Rivers and and Keenan Allen have had this chemistry. They know where each other you know is going to be. It's just there's a lot of innateness to their relationship, and I just I don't see it working as well with Tyrod Taylor. Not that it will be terrible. I just think there's going to be a downgrade overall. I I think it's going to be fine for guys like Hunter Henry, and you hear reports that. Tyrod and, and Henry have looked great in practice, and I think when Mike Williams gets healthy, Tyrod can throw a nice deep ball, and that's going to work fine, and he can obviously dump the ball off to Austin Eckler. I just The way Keenan Allen's game is and the way Tyrod Taylor's game is, I just don't like the match between the two of them, and I think there's going to be some growing pains there. Am I crazy for thinking that Eckler's a little bit of a gamble this season with Tyrod? I mean, Phillip Rivers has always been a guy who has leaned on his pass-catching running backs when they've been there for him. And, you know, to be fair about it, uh, two of those guys who he's leaned on have been Eckler and LaDainian Tomlinson, two incredibly dangerous pass-catching running backs. I think probably every quarterback who would ever be paired with those guys would lean on them. But there's still something to be said about that. You look over in Colts camp and our Colts beat reporters, Zach Kiefer and Stephen Holder, both saying that, uh, making jokes about how the Colts are going to set a record for running back targets this season uh, because of the way that Frank Reich and Phillip Rivers are building that offense. It does give me a little bit of concern about the volume coming down uh, for Phillip, for uh, Austin Eckler in the passing game. Austin Eckler is an excellent player. He does what he does. It doesn't really matter what the quarterback is. I think he can keep that you know per target efficiency up at where it was last year. I just worry about that volume that he rode last year coming down a little bit, even acknowledging the fact that Melvin Gordon's gone. Is that crazy? Uh, I don't think it's crazy, but that's the thing is I have Austin Eckler doing less than he did in the receiving game last year, but doing a little bit more in the rushing game because Melvin Gordon is gone. And I, I am somebody who that thinks that Josh Kelly, Joshua Kelly, if he prefers that, Get it right. <laughs> like friends, I don't, we don't know. Uh, but the truth is, is like, I think he's the better replacement for Melvin Gordon in that backfield. I think Justin Jackson's more of a, a Austin Eckler replacement, though they both look like they're involved right now. And that's the good news is they're both involved, which means that Austin Eckler kind of is like the guy. And 
for everybody out there that just assumes what Austin Eckler looks like because of his use, go go look at those damn all season pictures that everybody always raves about DK Metcalf and everybody else, and go look at Miles Sanders. That that head almost doesn't fit that body. He's a freaking tank in that Eckler, body. Like yes. So like this, the thing is like I have him for 166 carries, but I only have him for 69 receptions. So like a little bit, of, but it offsets, and that's why he's still an RB one. Yeah, I would just say that. Look at, I mean, Austin Eckler has averaged over 10 yards a catch every season. That's that's a great number for a running back. You get the first down every time you throw him the ball. Um, you know, compare that. Last year he had 10.8 yards per catch, and I think Tariq Cohen had 5.5. Like. <laughs> I think the deal yeah. is, is we've seen Tyrod Taylor throw 50, you know, make LaShawn McCoy catch 50 plus passes before. And and I think Anthony Lynn's is basically going to tell Tyrod Taylor, we need to make sure we continue to get Austin Eckler the ball in the passing. It was not going to mm-hmm. be as much about Tyrod Taylor as it is going to be about this Chargers offense. And the fact that they need to throw Austin Eckler the ball because they're a better team when they do it. And that'll be an emphasis. I'm sure they make sure that his you know, that he will get his catches. And 69 is a great number. You know, that's, by his number, that's, you know, 700 uh, receiving yards. Uh, <laughs> yeah, it is. Let's it just is call it 71 number. receptions then. That's a great number. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's move on quickly from from that comment there. One step right, down from the Chargers. <laughs> We've got the, uh, the Denver Broncos checking in at plus 900 to win this division. A lot of excitement surrounding the Denver Broncos. They have totally remade this offense on the fly in two years. Drew Locke ready to take over as his uh, first opening day start for this team. Uh, we got... Jerry Judy joining Cortland Sutton this season. Melvin Gordon joining Philip Lindsay this season. There is a ton to get excited about on this offense, I think. It all, of course, comes down to Drew Locke putting it all together. Do we have enough confidence, Brandon, in Drew Locke being the guy who can put the pieces together in this Denver offense? No, I don't have the confidence. Uh, I, you know, I'm hedging a little bit because I love Cortland Sutton. I actually like Jerry Judy a lot, and um, you know, they're. Uh, one of my good friends in the industry, Brad Evans, lives in in the Denver area, and it says there's a lot of good, you know, rumblings coming out about Drew Locke, and they think that this is going to work on the offensive side, and this is a team that's ascending and on that side of the ball. So, you know, there there takes a, it takes a, a bit of leap of faith because we've only seen basically five games from Drew Locke, and it was a little bit uneven, but there was some stuff to get excited about. I just think, look at. He's got a lot of good weapons around him. If he can just be, you know, competent, that should that should be okay for all these guys uh, in his orbit. Yeah, it's like I, I keep making this joke, and I'm not be like, oh, look at me, I'm funny or anything like that, because I know I'm not. <laughs> uh, the tr- like, if if Drew Locke doesn't succeed, I keep saying John Elway's carrying his bags out the door because this is it. Like the John Elway has had enough attempts. He keeps trying to do things at quarterback that people have scratched their heads with. And he's putting all the hopes. He's given Drew Locke every single chance possible to succeed this year. Already has Sutton, drafted Judy, kept drafting more pieces, as we know. Uh, there's talk whether or not Hamler's going to be he- healthy, but you know they still have Tim Patrick and Deshaun Hamilton. Drafted the goon at the other goon at uh, tight end. We're not going to try and pronounce his last <laughs> name. Um, but you know, with Noah Fant stepping up, they bring in Melvin Gordon. This team, if it's not a top ten offense, if Drew Locke isn't a top. 15 quarterback I think you're going to see like I said they're going to be calling for him to be out the door that being John Elway uh, so I'll invest but for fantasy purposes Drew Locke is in the same conversation for me as like a Tannehill a Mayfield uh, even a Garoppolo kind of like hey look we know what it could be but there's still a ton of risk here he showed flashes last year but he still shows some decision making questions which were concerns coming out of college and understandable from where he came from and his ability in college 
Guys, I don't know if we have enough time to get onto this wide receiver uh, situation and this running back situation in Denver. Which one would we rather talk about? Running back. Want to talk about Cortland Sutton and Jerry Judy? You want to talk about the backs? Yeah. All right, let's talk talk about the backs. Is there anyone in the world? I mean, I guess there has to be. But is there anyone in the world that thinks Melvin Gordon at an ADP that makes him the the 31st player off the board typically is better than Philip Lindsay at an ADP that makes him the 96th player off the board typically? I mean, anyone? Anyone buying into that? (laughs) This is why I want to talk about it, because apparently if you're watching Twitter over the weekend, a lot of people did. This is an argument over the weekend, and I was shocked. Like, people arguing for Melvin Gordon to be top 20, and this is why they brought him in. This is why they signed him, and blah, 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 blah. And just ignoring (laughs) the fact of, what have we complained about Melvin Gordon for his entire career? He should be better between the tackles. He should have a better yards per carry. He has one season where he's even reached over 3.9 yards per carry, and I know that's kind of a... A, a faulty stat in and of its own, but it's not like he's going to the Dallas Cowboys offensive line. You know, Melvin Gordon is still going to cede some of the touches to Philip Lindsay, who just two years in a row put up a thousand rushing yards, let alone what he's going to do in the passing game. Melvin Gordon for 60% of the touches. Let's give him 60. 60% of the touches is what he's seen before. That puts him at RB2. I don't get why people are all over Melvin Gordon and hate Philip Lindsay. I don't know if I have a whole lot more to say. I mean, that's kind of it, but yeah, uh, Yeah. I think that was the point that we needed to make. I think it's been made. Yeah. I mean, 2000 yard seasons, as you said, Jake back to back for Philip Lindsay, nine touchdowns on the ground his rookie year, seven last year. He's uh, got 35 catches, both of those seasons on just shy of 50 targets in both of those seasons. Uh, and, And has to have the, the trust uh, and the loyalty of this coaching staff after what he has done these two years. So I just don't – I mean, I, I like Melvin Gordon well enough, and I could see yeah. him being on my team in certain situations. But if I'm really having to use a top – I mean, his ADP is 31 right now, or at least makes him the 31st overall pick in a draft. If I so, – like, top 40 is even conservative for him, and I just don't see how that fits in with Philip Lindsay there, with a team that clearly wants to put a lot on Drew Locke's right arm, with Cortland Sutton and Jerry Judy and Noah Fant and KJ Hamler eventually coming back. I mean, I just don't see where the possible volume is for Melvin Gordon to be a top 40, let alone pushing the top 30 overall. So just get me the hell away from him. I will happily buy in on Philip Lindsay if I'm, I'm getting him right around pick number 100. One more time, Mike, and, and Brandon is this is why I love going running back, running back. Because when everybody else is drafting Melvin Gordon, trying to make that decision and overdrafting Jonathan Taylor and drafting, you know. Oh, wow, he hates Wisconsin. Yeah, no, yeah, obviously I hate, <laughs> I, I love Jonathan Taylor, I hate Wisconsin. Uh, like, while everybody's making these decisions, you have two running backs and in the third round, you know what you can do? Draft Allen Robinson, Adam Thielen, A.J. Brown, Odell Beckham, Robert Woods, like, you're now you can go draft those fringy wide receiver ones while everybody else is banging their head against the wall trying to figure out what running back is the best choice. Trying to draft yep. fringy well, you know, uh, RB twos basically. Is what you yes, exactly, yeah. exactly. Hey, maybe Leonard Fournette will be back in that discussion before long, <laughs> but he's not there now. Let's move on to the last team here in the AFC West. It is the Las Vegas Raiders. I'm doing very well at saying Las Vegas and not Oakland. Plus twelve hundred to win this division. They've got Josh Jacobs in that uh, discussion where you could be going running back, running back in the first two rounds, certainly. The big question with Josh Jacobs is, can he get more involved in the passing game? I think we're all comfortable with where he is as a runner and the fact that he is going to dominate the carries out of this backfield. We would love to see more from him as a receiver. Uh, One of our two Vegas Raiders beat writers, uh, Vic Tafer, has said that this team wants him 
more involved in the passing game. Vic is saying as many as maybe 40 or 50 receptions are possible for Jacobs with what he has seen with his own eyes at training camp. I don't know if 40 or 50 is possible, and I'm not you know calling into question Vic's reporting. Of course, it just feels like there maybe isn't enough passes to go around, but I do feel as though he can get more involved in the passing game. Where do we stand on Josh Jacobs, the receiver? going into this year. Brandon, why don't you go first? Uh, yeah, I think 40. I, I've been kind of going, you know what? I think 40 feels right. I think he can get there uh, with all the other mouths to feed as well. You know, you have lip service from Mike Mayock saying they want to get him more involved. You have Josh Jacobs saying he wants 60 catches. You got Victor Forrest saying, you know, he's going to double, uh, easily double his 2019 receptions of 20. So, yeah, I mean, I'm buying in on 40. I'm buying in on everything Josh Jacobs. A guy came by with some Kool-Aid and uh, Josh Jacobs Kool-Aid, and I drank it, uh, you know, in one big gulp because uh, I, I love the guy. I love the talent, and I think it just makes sense for this this Raiders offense to get the ball in the arms of you know one of your most talented guys when the ball is in your hand. So uh, that just if you know, I he had the broken shoulder blade last year. He was a rookie. Um, you know, they were they were slow playing his passing game role. I think they're going to bump that up big time this year. All right, so three things here is So I've messed up one time saying Oakland, and it was actually <laughs> in a text to Deshaun Reed, our beat writer for the Raiders. <laughs> that was the first time I ever did it, and it was in a text with him. Uh, second of all, uh, to go back to something Brandon said earlier, it's like, believe it when I see it. Well, the actions speak louder than words, and – the third thing is, similar to Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, is I was drunk on the Jacobs Kool-Aid. Everybody knows that. Anybody who's been following me this entire time. And now I feel like I kind of got my sugar high and I'm out now because <laughs> I love Josh Jacobs. I love his talent. I wish I could be more invested because I have him for 30 receptions. So I'm taking the under, obviously. And it just comes down to, the again, the actions speak louder than words. You still have Jalen Richard. You traded for Devontae Booker or whatever they did, like the conditional pick them up, whatever that happened with that situation. You bring in Theo Riddick. You draft Lynn Bowden. Like, I just you, – you're not telling me that you're using him in the passing game any more than you just did. And that's my concern is you also drafted Henry Ruggs and Brian Edwards. So how much are you going to be passing to the backfield with Derek Carr in general? Uh, I'm going to say the same thing I said to Sean Reed when we were doing – when he went through my projections and I kind of pushed back. Is like, is Derek Carr throwing 700 times this year? Because unless he is and unless you just tell me that – Nobody else is involved in that backfield. I would love for Jacobs to get 50 receptions. I think he can be Zeke like with that, that kind of workload, not necessarily mm -hmm. Zeke as in like top three running back. Although I think his talent's pushing that level. I just, you don't, you haven't told me one time, no matter what your coach speak lips are saying by the construction of this roster, you have told me nothing to make me believe that Josh Jacobs is legitimately going to see 40 plus receptions. Yeah, we know Darren Waller's obviously got a massive role in the offense, and they needed receivers no matter what. But the fact that they, you know, double dipped in the first and third rounds on Henry Ruggs, who they made the first receiver off the board, also, and then Brian Edwards does tell you that they're going to want to get those guys a little bit, uh, a lot of bit of uh, of looks from uh, Derek Carr this season. We've talked quite a bit about Henry Ruggs. I think all of us are in on him, and we're running a little long. Thanks, Leonard Fournette ruining everything, making us run a little bit longer than we want to. So we're going to move on from the Raiders here. We're going to go quick lightning <laughs> round so on the That's so for that, West. though. It takes longer right? to get what you should really have to produce. Volume. <laughs> it's perfect. It's perfect. Perfect letter for that. Sign him up, Washington. That's the guy you want for sure. It's the guy you want to push Antonio Gibson off the field. Let's go, uh, let's go AFC West lightning round here. One player in the AFC West you are excited to roster. Jake. Uh, Henry Ruggs. There's no even question. But I, I think we all knew that was coming. 
It's yeah. definitely Henry Ruggs, but I'll take Brian Edwards too. I'll take both of them. Oh, I, I will go back to Josh Jacobs. I get excited when I'm picking late Ooh, in the. You guys love the Raiders. Yeah, I when I pick late in the first round, I get excited because I'm going Josh Jacobs, and then I'm hoping to get Julio Jones on the comeback. I love that combo, and I'm seeing it all the time. If you're you know in that 10, 11, 12 spot in the first round, you can get that double. You can get the alliterative J's going there, and I love that combo. Yeah. Beautiful. How about a player in the division who's going to outperform ADP, Brandon? Uh, you know what? I love Cortland Sutton, and he's going wide receiver 20. I have him ranked like wide receiver 15. He was much better uh, with Emmanuel Sanders. So this whole, uh, you know, this whole idea that Jerry Judy's going to hurt him, I think, is exactly the opposite. I think he's going to help him, and I think that Cortland Sutton can be a mid-teens wide receiver in fantasy production. Yeah, besides the Ruggs and Brian Edwards situation, how about Keenan Allen, who's now 53 right now in the most recent ADP? That is stupid, Crazy. in my opinion. Like, even if you're on Brandon's side, that's still ridiculously low. Yeah, Mike, or Mike, I was going to say Mike Evans. Mike Williams uh, is going to miss probably at least a game or two. So, uh, Keenan Allen has got plenty of volume coming his way with Mike Williams. Without Mike Williams, really doesn't matter, even if you're concerned about Tyrod Taylor, as I am a little bit. Keenan Allen has proved himself to be one of the uh, most consistent players in the league. One player in this division who is going to bust, Jake. Ugh, I, there's not a lot here. I, I would almost just like to say none. Uh, so if I had to pick one, I'm kind of... Melvin Gordon? Nah, like, look, outright bust at, at his price, probably. But I mean, like what? So he finishes what should be around lower cost. I don't know if I would call that. I'll say, you know what? I'll say Noah Fant. I just don't think there's enough for where people are taking. Like, I love Noah Fant's talent. Best receiving tight end in that draft class, uh, only ahead of his teammate, TJ Hawkinson. Although, eh, receiving, you could argue that as another story another day. But I think <laughs> yes. for where Noah no Fant's going, it's just this is the cliche, too many mouths to feed. Like, it, where is Noah Fant going to fall into 90 targets? Yeah, I will throw out Melvin Gordon based on ADP. I think Melvin Gordon and Clyde Edwards-Solaire are you you know have the potential to bust at their spot. If I'm going to say straight out bust, just like you know, just the things things go off the rails. I'll go back to Drew Locke, who's the quarterback twenty-two. There's a lot of good quarterbacks in that range, and there is a decent chance that Drew Locke just isn't good. I'm not I'm not ready to claim he's not, but I think there's uh you know there's a a sizable percentage chance that he may just you know not have it. So, um, you know, there's a lot to get excited about in Denver, but it starts with the quarterback and uh, that the jury's still out. I heard um, it. He, he hates Drew Locke. <laughs> yep. Brandon can't stand Drew Locke. The guy hates Missouri. He hates everything about fake SEC teams. He just can't That's stand right. Drew Locke. Um, all right, guys, the last question here. Uh, this is one division that to me is the easiest probably to stay away from in terms of division bets. I can't see anyone challenging the Chiefs at all, and I uh, don't quite have the uh, bankroll to make lying minus 455 worth the uh, worth the bet here. Anything that you can get yourself excited about with uh, with division winner bets? Yes. I, I will, I'll, I'll take the plus 1,200 on the Raiders in case Patrick Holmes gets hurt. Yeah, I was just going to say, I don't think that they have a chance to win this division, but I think the Raiders are the second-best team. And it's funny to me that they have the longest odds here um, by a decent amount. So um, I would I would do that as well, Jake, if I'm just going to you know throw a, throw a blindfolded dart. Yeah. There we go. Love, love blindfolded darts. There's really – I mean, does anything sum up gambling better? Then blindfolded darts, that is, uh, that is absolutely perfect. All right, guys, we're moving on to our second division, the NFC East, right here in just a second. 
All right, guys, let's move on to our second division for the day. It is the NFC East. We've got 12 players in the top 100 in this division, uh, four in the top 53 in the top 10, three running backs, Saquon Barkley, Ezekiel Elliott, and Miles Sanders. So another top-heavy division in terms of the fantasy discussion. And then a lot of guys who are going to be selected in those mid and uh, late-mid rounds. Uh, let's talk about the Dallas Cowboys to start things here. Minus 121, so small favorites to win the division here. This is one of the most exciting fantasy teams in the league. They were an exciting fantasy team last year. None of us would be saying that this team missed the playoffs because of the offense, and they bring back all those guys. Dak Prescott, Ezekiel Elliott, Amari Cooper, Michael Gallup. They add CeeDee Lamb, one of the best wide receiver talents in the draft. Still a great offensive line. This is going to be a very fun, explosive team. One guy who they do not bring back, however, is the head coach, Jason Garrett. He lost his job. He is now uh, the New York Giants offensive coordinator. In his place is Mike McCarthy. Two very different offensive styles, very different philosophies. Are we expecting any substantive changes to the way this offense runs, knowing that it's basically the exact same personnel on the field? Should we be looking for some sort of substantive change in the way that they dole out their their touches, their targets, whatever it might be? Jake, why don't you go first on this one? No, let Brandon go first because I know where he's going. All right, Brandon, you go first. Uh, I, I would just say substantively um... – you know, Mike McCarthy has a track record of throwing the ball more and leaning on a, a bell cow running back less. I don't think it's going to be a substantial change go. for Ezekiel Elliott, but, you know, it could be a little bit looser offense. I know Jason Garrett stopped calling plays in Dallas uh, at the end there, um, and I think they were better off for that. So it may not be a whole lot different because I, I think Kellen Moore was a pretty good offensive coordinator, and Mike McCarthy's looking at this offense coming in and – I don't know how much you have to tweak it. You just gotta, you know, you gotta plug in CD Lamb where Randall Cobb was, and you just, you know, you're you're off and running again. Yeah, that's what I, I know that Brandon's mentioned a couple of times. They're worried about Zeke's passing game work, and so that's why I said he can go ahead and go first because that's that's really what you have here for a concern. I mean, you can go back to McCarthy with the Packers days and say, you know, it's three options, but somebody's gonna get left out. A lot of times for him, it was the tight end, and that's why as much as I'm loving the Blake Jarwin news, it's like if he's involved, who's getting kicked out? Like Zeke's going to fall back a little bit, but he's not going to be completely unused in the passing game. So does that mean CeeDee Lamb is irrelevant as a rookie, or does it mean that's you know, you know, you could go down the list. Amari Cooper, does it take a giant step back, or is Michael Gallup kind of st- take a step back in his season? Like. There's a lot here. Uh, I think that I'm on more of the side that I like the three wide receivers and I'm less inclined to go on a Blake Jarwin just because I just don't know where the volume is going to come from. So again, somebody has to get left out, even if Dak repeats his season. But on the good side of things with Dak is if he doesn't finish as the number three quarterback, did something went wildly wrong. Like I have no problem with Dak being like solidly. He's kind of like the Alvin Kamara of running backs. He's in a tier of his own for me. Well, let's talk about Dak. We haven't given enough love to the quarterback position here, and we, you know, we know what Ezekiel Elliott is. Uh, and, you know, Brandon's minor concerns, notwithstanding. We've talked a lot about how to go after these three wide receivers: Amari Cooper, Michael Gallup, and C.D. Lamb. I think we would all like to find some investment in this Dallas offense, if possible. Let's talk about Dak Prescott. Uh, obviously, one of the rock-solid quarterbacks, not quite Mahomes and Lamar, but as you said, Jake, maybe a tier of his own ahead of Kyler Murray, Russell Wilson, Deshaun Watson, that next group of quarterbacks. 
quarterbacks. We all love being you know, super cool in one QB leagues and waiting as long as possible. When's the right time to say, you know what? I've waited long enough. Dak's still sitting there. I'm going to take him. When would you dive in on <laughs> Dak in a one quarterback league? Fifth round, but he never makes it there. So I have zero Dak. I would love to have Dak so far, but I have zero shares of Dak so far. <laughs> Yeah, in a, anywhere it, in the fifth round, you you can get a, you like so we're talking even, you know pick number like, fifty overall. Uh, yeah, I would even take well no, I would even take like pick number forty seven forty eight. I would take at the very end of the fourth round just to make sure I got it. Well, I guess more forty seven because if I'm in the turn, it doesn't really matter. But uh, right. so uh, you know that second ten eleven spot in the fourth round, I'd be willing to go there just to make sure I got him. But again, he's usually going late third, early fourth at worst in most of my drafts so far. So I'd love to have him, but. It's just that as much as I said he's on a tier of his own, at the end of the day, what's the points per game per week? One, one and a half. So, you know, that's just really like why not get Russell Wilson in the seventh or why not, you know, go what we've talked right. about before and pair yourself Drew Brees and Gardner Minshew or something like that. And that's that's why we always say wait. This is why we also say, say play Superflex. Play Superflex. <laughs> Yeah, I'm with Jake. I mean, I'm not going to get him because he's at the top of that tier after uh, Mahomes and Lamar Jackson, and I want the bottom of that tier, which is Russell Wilson or even Deshaun Watson, and I don't even want that tier if it's going to cost me too much. Like, if, if Dak comes off the board in the fourth and then that, that tier just starts emptying out in the fourth, I'm not going to use a fourth or early fifth on Deshaun Watson. So um, they're going to have to fall into that six, seven range. And if not, I'm happy to take off the back end with the Matt Ryan, the Carson Wentz, uh, all, you know, the, the hall of famers in that group that we talk about. So, and, and pairing with, like Jake said, a Gardner Minshew, or even, you know, going in early and getting Daniel Jones as a high, as a luxury backup, you know? Um, so, so yeah, um, very unlikely. I'm going to get a whole lot of Dak Prescott, but uh, it certainly recognizes value. All right, let's move on to the Philadelphia Eagles here. Plus 150 to win this NFC East. Um, they're like the NFC Chargers in that, right? There's been a ton of success, regular season success over the last you know two decades or so. But uh, uh, minus that one Super Bowl, of course, hasn't translated into a huge amount of playoff success. Can't really minus a Super Bowl. But also the injuries. I mean, this team has just been totally crushed by injuries. It's already happening again this season. Uh, Jalen Rieger is going to be out for four weeks. He's certain to miss some time in the regular season because of a shoulder injury. You've got two offensive linemen, Andre Dillard and Brandon Brooks, already out for the season. They still have a pretty strong line, but you know, no team wants to start its season 40% down on the offensive line. Miles Sanders still dealing with a nagging injury that could cost him some time early in the season. Is this just another slog of a year ahead for specifically Carson Wentz, you guys? Um, Where you go? Yeah, go ahead, I mean, man. I think you have two running backs that can catch 50-plus balls, and you have two tight ends that could do the same. I mean, it, it, it's, I'm, I'm a little bit bummed that Jalen Rieger got hurt for four weeks because I thought like the like his value was soaring. People were talking about him as like going to be the clear-cut number one, and I'm like, man – Rookie wide receiver coming in there. He didn't strike me as like a true kind of – he didn't look like a, a, a go-to number one wide receiver to me. To me, he's a little bit more uh, like a guy that you move around and, and you have, have some fun with. But as like a chain-moving kind of receiver, I just didn't see it. So I thought that he was positioned to be going way too high in drafts. People were saying, you know, he was right up there with Henry Ruggs as like the top receiver. And I – I wasn't ready to do that, so I was happy to let other people use that draft investment. Uh, now that's not going to happen, but I think you're you know you're back to a team that's looking like they're going to be running a lot of twelve personnel again and, and utilizing those uh, dynamic running backs in the passing game. 
Yeah, it's like I, I'm more fond of Rager than Brandon is by that statement, but I, I still had him zero places because he was in drafts going ahead of Henry Ruggs. He was actually he was pretty much the first rookie wide receiver off the boards in most drafts. And, you know, this is Deshaun Jackson's healthy for now. And Deshaun Jackson for when he's out there. I mean, this guy, how many seasons in a row now has he put up like 100 yards in week one? Like, he just loves going off <laughs> yeah. in week one. Go put him in your DFS lineups for week one, everybody. Uh, take the over. Bet him. Uh, but in any case, you know, it really comes down to I'm not concerned about Wentz because Wentz just was what? They, they, all those reports was the first time ever somebody's thrown for as much as he has without a 1,000-yard receiver or, or 100 mm-hmm. receptions. Whatever the stat was, I'm not worried about Wentz. He'll go out there and he'll produce whoever needs to be out there with him. And it'll start with the tight ends. It'll start with Deshaun Jackson. Jackson after Deshaun Jackson there's now reports that Jeffrey might be ready for week one and not that I'm excited for Alshon Jeffrey but if he's out there you know 90% help you know that's your wide receiver five you can throw him in some matchup situations see he's healthy until Rager gets back and then you know whether or not Hightower Quez Watkins or anybody there'll be people involved the the biggest thing is it's kind of goes back to what I love to say is you know buy the cake not the icing buy Carson Wentz and don't try to figure out the wide receivers just go get Ertz, Goddard, the backfield, and Wentz, and just ignore the rest. Well, I would love to talk about Zachers. We've talked a lot about Miles Sanders, the three of us combined. We've talked a fair amount about these wide receivers, so let's actually talk about Zach Ertz. He is being drafted comfortably behind Travis Kelsey and George Kittle, and I think that's fair. Uh, you know, we're talking about about 26 picks down, 27 picks down from those two guys, so two rounds and change in a 12-team league, and yeah, I think that's fair. I think he should clearly be outside that Kelsey-Kittle tier, but are we going too far? Are we swinging too far in the other direction on Zach Ertz being in you know more the Mark Andrews, Darren Waller tier than something closer to Kelsey and Kittle. We know what he's done the last few seasons, and there is just no one challenging him as the top pass catcher in this offense. As good as Miles Sanders can be, as good as Dallas Goddard can be, there's no doubt about Zach Ertz being the number one pass catcher for Philly. We've seen it over the last few years, and we know it is going to be true. You still have a wide receiver core that doesn't really have any standout players for this season. A ton of injury concerns in that wide receiver group. Should we be thinking about Zach Ertz earlier in our upcoming drafts than we have been so far to this point, Jake? Well, now... The, the, the thing was, is I was a little, I was one of the people I was a little bit down on Zach Ertz with Rager and the weapons that Wentz had, mostly because the second half last year where Dallas Goddard was a thing, uh, Zach Ertz wasn't as quite Zach Ertz before. And that's funny because without all the wide receivers, he was kind of a little bit less efficient at times. Um, but now, you know, you kind of go back to that. And it's like, well, that's the same thing. Well, yeah, but he's also got the Sean Jackson out there now. Like last year, that was with Greg Ward as the lead option. I think that's why when you take Greg Ward as your top wide receiver, Zach Ertz is essentially your number one. And that's the thing. He was getting number one wide receiver treatment. And I think that was part of the problem. That's why I was a little hesitant for this year is like, hey, look, Goddard's going to be involved. They're going to run a lot of 12. They got the Sean Jackson. They got Jalen Rager. Does he still deserve to be the fourth tight end off the board? Sure. But fewer rounds or more rounds after the big ones and I would say a decent gap for Mark Andrews but now the volume is going to offset and he's going to find his way into well over 100 targets again and so yeah now he should be pushing closer to Andrews I would still take Andrews a full round before I take Ertz but you can move Ertz back up a little bit yeah Ertz is kind of the Russell Wilson you know of the tight end position you got Mark (laughs) Andrews is kind of the shiny new uh Kyler Murray Dak Dak Prescott guy and you know you're happy this is where maybe you got Zach Ertz is over 800 yards, five straight seasons. He's, you know, he's been eight, 
or eight to six touch six to eight touchdowns the last three years. Like he is very safe in in a way that kind of Russell Wilson is as well. He's just you know we've seen him do it so many years now. He's not quite as sexy as the Mark Andrews who's emerging. But uh, you know if you can if you if you miss on the Mark Andrews spot and you get Zach Ertz as a fallback, you're probably not really losing out a whole lot. And in and in that regard, you you're getting the value. So uh, yeah, I think there's something to your point, Michael. All right, guys, two more teams to talk about here in the NFC East. But first, let's hear from one of our newest podcasts, The Athletic Football Show. This is The Athletic Football Show. I think every football season is a big challenge in one way or another. Introducing The Athletic Football Show, an all-new podcast with me, Robert Mays, and a team of world-class NFL writers and analysts. We'll feature expert guests and our plugged-in beat writers from around the league. What Patrick Mahomes did in the last nine minutes is just absurd. You can subscribe now to The Athletic Football Show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or the podcast provider of your choice. And stay with us all season long as The Athletic brings you what matters most in today's NFL. All right, guys, let's get to the last two teams in this NFC East. The first of those two, the New York Giants, plus 1,100 to win the division. Clearly, uh, we've got a top two and a bottom two, safe to say, in this division. The first thing I want to talk about with the Giants, similar to what we started off with the Cowboys, Jason Garrett, that, uh, that common thread here, he goes from Dallas to New York. He brings his offensive style. We've got a new head coach in Joe Judge with Garrett now infusing what he does offensively into this offense. Do we expect any substantive changes? Hard to get Saquon Barkley more volume than he was already getting, but is there something in Garrett's history that could lead us to how this Giants offense is going to operate any differently than it did previously, Jake? I don't think you can put a lot on anything here because it's not just him. It's Joe Judge, first-time coach in the NFL. I'll probably lean on Garrett for his insight, but you have that. You have Kitchens, who's a former – like, this goes back to, like, almost worried about too many, yeah, too many cooks in the kitchen. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's like he's with the tight ends, so he's probably going to voice his opinion at times, and maybe that can bring something. But, you know, like – like Garrett's going to bring his tendencies, but we have to all acknowledge too. It's like, it's not the first time like a coach would bring a tendency, but also not change his stance a little bit. Like coaches do adapt as well. And maybe he has some input and he hears kitchens or he hears judge and changes a little bit. I mean, look at the fact that what the Ravens did, the Ravens changed their entire offense because they should have, but coaches don't just sit there and say like, this is what it's going to be. This is what it's going to be. This is what it's going to be. Yeah, as you said, the, the thing is, is we would say, hey, this is better news for the running back, but how much more is Barkley going to get to begin with? Uh, I don't think this really points us to any one true wide receiver because it's not like Jason Garrett was like, hey, let me give my number one all this volume and then f- filter in the rest or let's spread the ball out to all three equally or, you know, let's involve the tight end. He's just he uses what works. So this goes back. To, I'm going to say it again. Second time on the show. Buy the cake, not the icing. Buy <laughs> Daniel Jones. I'm all over Sterling Shepard for his value, but if it starts to get too high, but I don't know that it will because people just don't want Sterling Shepard, but he is the number one. It's been proven even when everybody, including Barkley and Evan Ingram, are healthy. He's the number one in targets. I know Darius Slayton wasn't there, but he was briefly last year where they overlapped a few times, and Sterling Shepard was still the number one. Uh, But if you don't want to deal with the frustration of it's him, Tate, or Slayton, or Ingram, then just stay away. Just go buy Daniel Jones and stay on Barkley and enjoy it. Yeah, I, I just think the big thing here is this might be the worst defense in the league. Um, oh, yeah. They're, they're secondary. You know, they've, they've lost McKinney and uh, DeAndre Baker, the two probably their two most talented guys. 
Uh, they're not they're not that impressive up front either. So this is an awful awful defense. Which the nice thing about Saquon Barkley is you know okay so they're not going to be able to to hang in games very long. And Saquon Barkley you know is maybe not going to get as big a carry load as you would like because of that. But he's you know he could push ninety to hundred catches in this in this environment as well. Although if all these guys stay healthy, there's so many mouths to feed that. Uh, yeah, it could get a little bit interesting, although we know that that's unlikely that they're all going to stay healthy because it just hasn't been the history. But, uh, yeah, there's, there's did really you, no – Did you just say it'll work itself out without saying it'll work itself out? Is that I, I kind of was basically <laughs> intimating that was going to be the situation. Yes. I, I, I just kind of go with the uh, idea that, that two out of the three of the receivers will be healthy at any one time, and, uh, you know, Evan Ingram will miss a few games as well. And, um you know, on a per game basis, they'll all get theirs, but they won't all <laughs> play 16 <laughs> games. Yeah, it's uh, it's definitely got that feel. And uh, a wide receiver core that I'm interested in investing in in some way, probably more with Sterling Shepard or Golden Tate than Darius Slayton. Part of that being the fact that they're just the two cheaper ones uh, compared with Darius Slayton. Right. But uh, we've talked about those guys a little bit. I do want to talk about the cake rather than the icing here and talk about Daniel Jones, a guy who we haven't given a ton of airwave time to on this show. So let's do it right now uh, by ADP, the QB 13. You've got him just a few picks after Drew Brees and Matthew Stafford, a few picks ahead of Aaron Rodgers and Baker Mayfield. So it's not as though he is coming cheap. Is this a good spot for Daniel Jones? And I guess another good way to think about it is, Jake, you've said many times here, you pair Daniel Jones with you know, Ben Roethlisberger. You pair Drew Brees with Gardner Minshew. Can you ride with just Daniel Jones to start a season, or do you have to pair him with someone? I think you have to pair him for someone if we're – like, look, we do this every single year with defenses, and we try to project who the best defenses are, and they don't only change year to year. They change in midseason. The Giants are one of the teams I always reference a couple of years ago. They were stay away from them the second half of the season. It was exploit the Giants, and it happened – the reason I bring it up is because that same year – it was basically flipped for the Saints. It was just throw all over the Saints, and you're going to have a great day. And then that second half was all of a sudden like, oh, my God, you want to avoid the Saints. And it was funny because you could have used those two defenses and turned into, like, a top-five defense. Uh, <laughs> but that's why I bring it up because it changes in season, let alone season to season. So, But the, that the point is, is right now, Daniel Jones and the Giants' early season schedule looks daunting. On the flip side of it, you, this is why – this is fantasy. You can create any narrative you want. You can say, well – yeah, it's daunting, but as Brandon just mentioned, this defense is arguably the worst in the league. That just means garbage time. So you could create that narrative. You could create the, it's the Blake Bortles for Daniel Jones. The good news about Daniel Jones, he runs as well. He's going to take his shots. He had multiple games where he threw for four touchdowns, and they came against weaker defenses. But the end point of what I'm making here is, yeah, I probably want to pair him with somebody else to ride somebody else. Hey, Ben Roethlisberger, week one, there you go, boom. Uh, but, you know, you ride somebody else, and if Daniel Jones looks good, Fantasy-wise, against those defenses to start out, now you can just ride him for the rest of the season a la Jameis Winston. Yeah, Jameis Winston, number four in fantasy last year, at least in Yahoo scoring. And, you know, that's that was probably the best representative of the difference between fantasy and reality, you know. And and Daniel Jones has a lot of that going. He was, you know, he was two touchdowns per game, basically. You know, he was, he was running at a 30-touchdown rate for the season, so – right there with Jameis as well, and he can run. So, yeah, a lot of what Jake said, it's just the environment's conducive to him throwing a whole lot. And um, I think you could roll with him as your as your QB1. There's going to be some ugly games, but we know that ugly games in reality don't always equate to fantasy. 
All right, guys, speaking of ugly games, let's talk about the last team in this division, the Washington <laughs> football team. I like the Washington footballs, Jake. That's yeah. a, that's no, a that's good Pat way to Mayo refer to them. Pat Mayo special right there. Oh, Pat Mayo. I like that. It's a good way to refer to them as like a, you know, like a, a, a plural, like a team name sort yeah. of thing. Washington, the Washington footballs. I like that. Uh, let's start off with uh, what I've written down here as the obligatory Antonio Gibson question. I'm just going to wind you guys up and go, Brandon, where are you on Antonio Gibson? Everyone's favorite late summer guy to target. Yeah, I was. This has come full circle in June, and pretty much anything in early summer that I would write, I'd figure out a way to put Antonio Gibson in there. As watch this guy is a sleeper, uh, in, amazing athlete who was incredibly efficient on low volume at Memphis. Um, but you know, they might find a way. And then, and then I kind of felt like people got a little bit too into into Antonio Gibson. I was like, well, I think he's going to be one of those guys that um, you know is going to have these these nice moments here and there, but from a consistency standpoint, I just don't think he's going to have the volume. And now with everything that's, that's gone down with Darius Geis being gone and Bryce love being talked about being cut, like, okay, it's Adrian Peterson, but then it's Antonio Gibson and man, they could, there actually could be some decent volume here. So uh, I'm back kind of in on Antonio Gibson and, uh, you know, buying into the upside potential and being willing to, pay you know something around the adp price for it because i think it's gone up uh you know but I, i'm i'm okay with it like i'm just willing to gamble on him because i think there's there's plenty of upside and you can have a lot of fun with him and uh yeah it's it's a lot more clear in the backfield right now for him than it was in early summer yeah my concern is just really how many options are here but the th- good thing about it is his cost isn't detrimental like his cost is still honestly buying a lot of upside versus buying like his ceiling his ceiling i would argue and i think brandon is saying the same thing without saying it and we've done it before but i would argue he's got top 30 upside the question is how involved is adrian peterson you know they're talking up peyton barber uh, we joked about it before the show that bryce love you know went from being the guy two weeks ago to now is he going to be on the opening day roster or a game day inactive or anything like that's my concern. Like I still think Bryce Love could be a thing, and like everybody can be involved. And now we're looking at what do we know? It feels like the Patriots, but he has the leg up as of right now. He looks like the guy as of right now. So I would definitely take Antonio Gibson's upside over anybody else. Uh, but if it starts creeping into the cost of where now we're talking about like rookies like Swift and you know I wasn't gonna say Taylor because his draft stock is way too high but like the Swifts like the, the basically the RB3 range I think now you're kind of banking on everything going right for him because I still think he's going to be sharing with Peterson even if it's just down to them too yeah sharing with Peterson probably a bad team as well Dwayne Haskins is an interesting guy but we got to talk. We got to. We got to preserve our time here. We got to pick a priority, and I would rather talk about uh, the wide receivers. Don't here. you wanna... be smirch freaking Dwayne Haskins? I'll I'm not besmirching anyone. I'm not. What are you talking about? Slap I like to... against your face. I like Dwayne Haskins. I've been getting him. I've been circling around to him as a QB three in a lot of my super flex leagues. He's sort of my QB three target. That's... I like to there. go talk about talk, fine. Talk about Dwayne Haskins. No, Say that's good. That's Dwayne good. Haskins. Yeah, yeah. Love. <laughs> go go. Any super flex, get him as your QB three. Love it. That's that's all you needed to say. I'm glad. Oh you said well, that. you're you're welcome then. There you go. You are yeah. You're welcome. How about his how about his uh, college teammate and uh, NFL teammate Terry McLaurin. I know you like him a lot, Jake. I thought it was doing you a favor to talk about Terry McLaurin. One of my favorite things, a stat I keep going back to. Terry McLaurin did all he did last year as a rookie. 
58 catches, 919 yards, seven touchdowns as a rookie wide receiver on a team that was dead last in the league in points, 31st in the league in yards, 27th in the league in yards per play, 31st in the league in net yards per pass attempt. So basically the worst possible offensive environment to exist in. And Terry McLaurin still accomplished all that he did as a rookie last year. Now you're looking at an ADP of wide receiver 22, rubbing elbows with Cortland Sutton, DJ Chark, Tyler Lockett, and hey, Keenan Allen, who we've talked about quite a bit. Is that a fair price? Are we putting him up too much? Should he be even higher? Where are we at on Terry McLaurin? Jake, go ahead. <laughs> no, that's a fair price. I love Terry McLaurin. Uh, it really comes down to the first four games and the last four games. It, we, he would be around 1,500 yards <laughs> and eight or nine touchdowns, and I don't think he's going to all of a sudden be a top five wide receiver, and that's picking out what I want to include. But I pick it out because that beginning was with Case Keenum. Case Keenum fell off, and that's when he started to lose the job to Haskins. And Haskins looked rough to start the year. And Haskins improved at the end of the season. He wasn't lighting the world on fire. He was very much like Tannehill, throwing for 150, 250 at the most, but also throwing touchdowns, and he started to improve. And that's also where I'm gonna. I know you didn't ask about him, but I'm gonna include him into this conversation as Steven Sims yeah, and why I like Steven Sims as a great late round sleeper because Steven Sims had all but one of his touchdowns, that being Haskins towards the end of the season with McLaurin still holding value. I love these two as a funneled option this offense. I was really concerned about Harmon pushing Sims as the number two because he's a big option. I like Gandy Golden as a rant, as a rookie red zone, but that's about it. I think he's going to take some time to develop coming from Liberty. Uh, so I love McLaurin. I love Sims. Uh, and, you know, if Haskins even takes a slight step forward, McLaurin's probably pushing top 15 at the end of the season. And Sims is going to be into the, like, the wide receiver three conversation. Yeah, I'm going to, just a spoiler alert, I will be using Steven Sims in our rundown of guys we're excited to <laughs> roster or that are going to. Um, I love the guy, but uh, back to McLaurin, he's kind of, you know, he's maybe the the poor environment version of, you know, Adam Thielen and Devontae Adams in that he's just the clear go-to guy. There's no worry about targets here. I mean, we like Steven Sims, Antonio Gandy-Golden, these other guys, but, he, you know, McLaurin, just from a talent standpoint and from his relationship with Dwayne Haskins going back to Ohio State and what he did last year, I, it, you can just see him being the the clear go-to guy. He should have a, a very heavy target load. And uh, with that and with his talent, you know, you, you feel like it's – it's almost a, a hard to a hard to lose situation in terms of drafting him and, and knowing you're, what you're going to get. I so, love I love the uh, feeling comp. Yeah, I mean it's just you look at the places and and the guys that we like that are just mm -hmm. so obviously the standouts in the in the passing offense, and I think you got to throw McLaurin in that group. All the Ohio State fans out there, too, listening to this, you can adopt the uh, Washington footballs as your college team de facto <laughs> this season because without any uh, Ohio State football, at least you've got a team with uh, Dwayne Haskins, Terry McLaurin, Chase Young. Got plenty of uh, Ohio State flavor there uh, in D.C. So uh, check out those Washington footballs, all you Buckeyes out there. Um, all right, let's jump right in, Brandon. Steven Sims, a player you're excited to roster. Why? Uh, he's... He's got breakaway speed. The guy's a flyer. I think he, he you know, he went to Kansas and he might have won like one game his senior year. I'm not, I forget <laughs> what their record was, but he was completely was overlooked from a size standpoint. He didn't stand out. I don't even think he got invited to the combine. But man, you go watch the tape. This guy's got some crafty route running skills. Got good hands, and he's got, you know, he's got great speed. So uh, he was, and he's going to start in the slot from the get-go. Last year, it was Trey Quinn. And then he got hurt, and Steve, Steven Sims stepped in and was great. And um, 
well, great's probably a little bit strong. He scored four touchdowns in four games and had a lot of targets and, and looked good doing it. So um, I just think, you know, we're going to see him get that from the get-go this year. Yeah, well, so, I mean, Sims <laughs> feels kind of obvious at this point. Uh, but excited to roster? There's a lot of people on here. It'll take, like, a lot of this division. Hey, you know what? I'll, st- I'll go back. I'm actually, for the f- just because it's the first time ever, the first time ever I'm excited to roster Deshaun Jackson. <laughs> yeah, there we go. It only took, what, like a decade? <laughs> only a decade. <laughs> Gotta love that. All right, Jake, how about someone in the division who's going to outperform ADP? Let's go back to what I said before, Sterling Shepard. Like, Sterling Shepard, the number one. You mentioned the fact that Darius Slayton has a higher ADP, which is just, you know, I understand the excitement and the downfield option of Darius Slayton, but Sterling Shepard is our, – our, I, I have too much Sterling Shepard. If Sterling Shepard doesn't do well this year, I'm in trouble. <laughs> Uh, I think it's for me it's Michael Gallup Uh, I love him at his wide receiver 30 ADP he was better than that last year he didn't even play a full season he played 16 games he's the guy that you want at value over Amari Cooper Uh, he could he could he could put the same numbers at as Cooper at a, at a much discounted. Yeah. I'm big on Gallup too. I really like him. He's my number one guy to target in that Dallas receiving group, a a group that I would like to get a piece of Gallup's the one who I really do want the most out of any of them. Uh, Brandon, how about a player in this division who is going to go bust this season? Mm, uh, Well, um, Gosh, that's a great question. I will go, you know, Evan Evan Ingram's a guy that I just, you know, I don't trust to play a full season. You're still you're still basically having to draft him right after the Darren Waller and Zach Ertz range. And there's guys like Hayden Hurst and a lot of emerging tight ends that I I feel like I'd rather chase the breakout potential than have to basically buy Evan Ingram at a sixteen game price or close to it um so i'm probably steering away from evan ingram in that tight end position uh more than most up you know if you look at that upper half of that group yeah it was either gonna be him or amari cooper for me and i feel like we've railed on amari cooper's draft price enough <laughs> this all season that i've been nothing left really to say with him we definitely have let's wrap this up cowboys minus 121 eagles plus 150 giants plus 1100 washington footballs plus 1300 anything interesting there jake no no (laughs) the cowboys should easily win this division you know maybe if the eagles were somewhat healthy you could but it's Mm -hmm. plus 150 there's not a lot there and then there's no way there's no way i think that the giants are the washington footballs are getting involved yeah i think it's i think jake's right i think cowboys are the they're the clear lead here. The Eagles, they, they'll always find a way to make it competitive, but I think it's it's the haves and the have-nots with the Cowboys and Eagles being the haves and the Giants and the, and the Washington football team obviously being the have-nots. Yeah, minus 121 is not a prohibitive price, so I could see myself giving in on the Cowboys. There are other ways, of course, to do that as well, maybe back their over-under win total, something along those lines, and maybe even take a look at what their odds are to uh, win the NFC because uh, if you're going to be trusting them to win the division, it could be players certainly in this conference as a whole. And that is going to do it for this episode of The Athletic fantasy football podcast you can still get yourself a free seven-day trial to the athletic if you go to the athletic.com slash fantasy football pod for jake and brandon i am michael beller the athletic athletic fantasy football podcast will be back with you on tuesday nando defino and emory hunt three of us will be back with you on wednesday until then have a great day thanks for listening happy drafting mm-hmm.